0: You're listening to Tiger Libby's Story, an interview with the authors, Erin Garcia and Betsy Miller on the Child Life On Call podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Child Life On Call podcast. When your child is sick, the whole world seems to stop in its tracks. Plans and priorities change, and your number one job becomes figuring out how to get your child well again. For some of us, rest, medications, and relaxation can do the trick, but for others, it takes more. It takes countless doctor appointments, invasive medical testing, therapies, surgeries, the list goes on, and then you still may not have all of the answers or results you were hoping for. This podcast features parents of children that have an illness or medical condition and gives them a place to share their own journeys and experiences. We will talk about the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, but one thing seems to remain the same. Children are resilient and teach us more about ourselves and the world than we could ever imagine. Thank you so much for lending a listening ear and opening up your heart to these families and this podcast. I'm your host, Katie Taylor. Welcome to the Child Life On Call Podcast. I am your host, Katie Taylor, and I am so happy that you are joining in and listening today because today's episode is a little bit different than normal. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that typically I interview parents of children that have an illness, disease, medical condition, or hospital experience, and give them a place to share their stories. And pretty often, actually very often, in every episode, Uh, We hear about not just the child or the parent that has an illness, but the other family members that are affected by a child getting sick. Uh, And so I'm excited to share with you today's interview because I got to talk to Erin Garcia, who is the aunt of an amazing little girl named Olivia. I'm going to let Erin talk to you about JDM, one, because I'm terrible at actually pronouncing the name, and two, because she is way more educated about the topic. What I love about this interview is that we are able to talk to someone who is outside of that central family unit of the child that has the illness, but still finds a way and a positive way at that to turn a lot of sadness, a lot of heartache, a lot of worries, a lot of what do I do, how can I help my family uh, into something that will truly make a difference not only for her niece and for her family, but this book is going to have an impact on every child and parent that reads it. Betsy, who experienced her own limitations as a child, and Aaron, who grew up with a brother who had multiple hospitalizations, really give us some insight into how people on the outside can truly help and what that actually can look like. So, uh... Without further ado, here is my interview with the authors of Tiger Livy, Erin Garcia and Betsy Miller.
1: Thank you so much for having us, Katie. My name is Erin Garcia. I'm originally from Southern California, but now reside in Fresno, California, it's in the central part of the state. I am a high school English teacher, and um, I am the co-author of Tiger Livy, um, a book written for children dealing with chronic illness and their families. And my co-author is Betsy Miller, a woman I had never met, but she was a professional author, and um, we have a mutual friend, and they had collaborated before, and um, so we connected for Tiger Living. That's how we met each other.
2: Hi, I'm Betsy Miller. Um, I'm up in Santa Rosa, also in California, and as Erin said, we happen to have a friend in common. I'm a technical writer, but I also write other things um, on the side, usually they're to do with children's health. Um, I had written a few nonfiction books on specific health topics. And then I had a picture book, um, Hip Hop Array for Brooklyn, which was about a little bunny that loves to hop and wears a brace at night. And I co-authored that with Jill, who knows Aaron. So Aaron approached me about the Tiger Livy book idea. And uh, it was quite a project. It took a lot of um, revision to get it from concept to something that was really a viable picture book. But I'm super pleased with how it turned out.
0: Yes, I just love the book. As soon as Erin sent it to me and I was able to read it, I had tears streaming down my face. And as a child life specialist, I'm able to see a lot of different pictures books about children's health, but this one really stuck out to me. So um, I love that. Betsy, I'm just curious, what made you want to write about children's
2: health specifically? Oh, well, the first book I wrote was The Parent's Guide to Hip Dysplasia. I actually had hip dysplasia when I was born, and I was treated for it in infancy. And then when I was in my late 30s, I started to have some hip pain, and I did a little research and found that there were no books at that time about hip dysplasia, which was kind of surprising because it seems like there's a book about everything. And then every once in a while, you come across something that you – can't find anywhere. So I um, I wrote that book first. And then it was a really different kind of writing than what I was used to, because I had been doing technical writing up until then. So it was challenging, but also really gratifying and a very different target audience. Um, most of the tech writing I'd done was for, you know, people who are fairly technical. Not a lot for new moms, uh, but I was pleased with how it turned out. And it was something that turned out to be very helpful for a lot of moms so then i wrote another one um, the parent's guide to clubfoot and in that book i had a short children's story with illustrations that i fit in there because that is for kids in their first five years they wear a brace at night and that was kind of how i connected with jill because she had seen that story and she as a parent of a child with clubfoot saw a need for picture books, um, there were a couple out there, but there was a different kind of picture book she had in mind than, than what was already there. And so I jumped into the picture book world, which was also different, but also very gratifying.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, it just, re- it's, it's so relatable and it's a story you can read to a child in a hospital and it's a story I can read to my, my son at night at bedtime. So it just, it seems to be pretty universal and relatable. Um, but I'd love to hear from you, Erin. Um, this book is about your niece and, um, please talk a little bit about her and the inspiration behind creating this book.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so Livia is my niece and she is now seven years old but was diagnosed with juvenile dermatomyositis when she was five. So it's a very, pretty rare, um, chronic condition. It's an autoimmune disease, um, that basically um, kind of comes on very fast and um, it kind of, the onset is uh, fatigues the, the child and um, wears them down, but um, the muscle begins deteriorating is, is basically what's happening. The body kind of attacks its muscles. Um, I know that's not the exact scientific uh, definition, but that's basically what happens. So um, she was a very typical active, a healthy child uh, one day and then the next day she couldn't crawl into bed and couldn't do a lot of the things that she used to do and um, this disease is, is pretty rare so it's often misdiagnosed um, and as I've learned more about it um, and I think this is the case for a lot of people dealing with some um, kind of rare or off the radar type of stuff um, the misdiagnosis can cause a lot of other unintended consequences but thankfully her doctor Um, even though it was misdiagnosed, he thought it was similar to leukemia or lymphoma or something like that. He thought it was a cancer. And that's actually kind of how they treat this disease is sort of like a cancer. It's really serious. But he immediately sent them to a a children's hospital in Los Angeles. And no, it wasn't cancer. It was juvenile dermatomyositis, which also requires really intensive um, and extensive long-term care. So um, she got, she, she got help pretty much immediately as soon as they knew something was wrong. And so um, the condition uh, is one where, you know, uh, you lose all control. Like at one point it, she couldn't hold her neck up, you know, at one point she could barely swallow her food. So that was like at its peak. Um, and that's even with early treatment. Um, I mean, so, so in some ways, she's so lucky that she has so much medical treatment, but it's, it's pretty devastating. And, what she had to take um, besides the uh, IVIG, which is like a treatment that you have to get once a month. It's, uh, you have to go to the hospital, and uh, it's, it's like a thing that basically flushes your system out, I think. Um, but, but she also had to take steroid treatments and things like that. And if you know anyone who's ever had to take a steroid um, to get better or to curb you know, other effects, it's, it's um, really devastating, and she uh, gained a lot of weight grew a lot of hair all over her face, all over her body. Um, and she really had a hard time managing her emotions. They were all over the place because that's one of the side effects of steroid treatment. And so, um, you know, witnessing this was, I mean, it's just devastating. Um, but I have, um, two children who are about her age and I also grew up with a brother who was, um, chronically hospitalized. He was born with many congenital issues and, Um, there's a variety of side effects that would come with his surgeries that you could never anticipate. You knew it was a risk, but it's, you know, I think anyone who deals with, with illness or, you know, anything where you ever require hospitalization, it never goes, you don't ever go from point A to point B. Right. You know, I mean, from my personal experiences, um, you know, as a child growing up with a brother who had so many, um, you know, hospitals are not scary to me. I've spent many, many hours in them. I think my brother's probably had over 30 surgeries in his lifetime. Um, And then, but now as an adult to watch my sweet niece go through this and, you know, she's best friends with my children and she's basically their same ages, you know, they're very close in age. I just wanted to do something about it. And I just remember feeling so powerless as a child, you know, seeing my brother endure these things and it's so stressful on a family and it's so, no one really understands unless you're really in it. And I just, Think that's stinky and horrible. <laughs> and so I wanted to try to help. We don't live close to them. And I couldn't really do hospital visits or, you know, do things like that. And I really thought hard about what well, would be meaningful. And so that's how this story came to life. And through the generosity and kindness of people like Betsy um, and Ivri's our illustrator, we have made, I think, a brilliant book that really addresses something um, that really hasn't. I don't think it's really been tapped into. And unfortunately, um, you know, statistics say that there's more and more kids every day who have some kind of chronic condition. So uh, there's a need for it, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, you hit the hail on the net when saying it's just so stressful on the family. Um, and something like this book that you guys created makes it a little bit easier because it's just it's another reinforcement that families are not alone when they're dealing with this. Um, and either of you can answer this question, but I just feel like you did such an amazing job at putting Livy's emotions mm-hmm into words and describing how they affected her. And you even talked on some of the social points about how friendships change. And I was just wondering what your process was in gaining this insight and
2: kind of putting it on paper. Erin had a lot of that down in her initial draft. She had something that was much too long to be a picture book, but she's one of those writers who writes her way to a destination. So she had to think through how to crystallize that because a number of the things that were in the original draft didn't need to stay. Things that were about how Livy looked because there's going to be pictures and if you haven't written a picture book before then those kind of things help you think through the beginning but they can go away. It's harder I think to really think about the reader experience and you want to follow the timeline of what happens when someone gets sick but also you want to not be too depressing and think about those bright moments that come in and also the times when you're struggling in a way that's not sort of wagging your finger at someone because yeah I mean if -hmm. somebody looks really different the next day people notice and you know it may affect friendships but that doesn't mean you want to make the person who's maybe trying to figure out what's going on um, feel bad so you want a book that Anybody can read, not just the person who's sick. You don't want to shame somebody for, for you know being confused or maybe pointing a finger when they're a little kid. So you want to, to be inclusive in a way that helps people follow the journey of this main character, but then also kind of learn from things like, oh, that's how that feels. I think a lot of times children's books will have a representative person who's maybe someone in a wheelchair or someone who has a health issue, but they may not be the main character. So sometimes the books are how to be kind to your friend versus how to get through this yourself. So it's, I like the focus of the book being that way. And it just took, honestly, a lot of revision. we go through and we have a draft and then we'd look through it and think, did we leave anything out? Are we repeating ourselves any place? Because a picture book is so short. You just want to hit everything that's essential and nothing else but it needs to be compelling because otherwise people put it down, right? You want them to get all the way to that finish line when Lily has, is she's recovering, but not only is she recovering, she's learned to be a kinder person. So she's got that empathy for somebody else who is maybe going through a tough time. And the book ends without too much of a spoiler here with her smiling at the reader <laughs> and having the thought that she sees The tiger inside somebody else. So for a child who is maybe sick and reading this, the hope is that they'll think, oh, you know, she gets it. And she would be my friend, even if I look funny or different, or I feel awkward. It's like I've got a new friend now.
0: Totally. I mean, I have to say that the the ending is, and without the spoiler alert, like what brought the tears on, it was just a full circle moment. It was really cool.
1: Yeah, I think being too preachy is, you know, is obviously off-putting for anyone reading it. And and you know, we've all read those books. And I also remember hating when people say like oh you're so brave you're so strong your family's so strong you know like when my brother was sick or something and i just was or like when people say oh, i could never do that or oh i could never understand you know you guys are so brave or you know god chooses someone special for this to happen to you know it's like uh <laughs> i don't think anyone like i'm not sure about that and it's always something that you know that someone means it in a kind way i know that and a lot of times people don't know what to say um, so I think that sometimes when people say that, and I think maybe if it hits you at the wrong moment or, you know, it just, it can be kind of devastating, um, when people have these well-meaning, you know, things it's just like, geez, I wouldn't choose this if I didn't have to, you know, you, no one chooses this and no one can really imagine this. And so what, uh, the ultimate goal was, and, and Betsy really, really was significant in helping us get there was I, I wanted it to be something that, yeah, kids who aren't. Specifically dealing with this issue right now or personally, could still start in some of this book and get something out of it. Because I mean, I think that's the value of books, but it's really tricky to do for our age group that we're hitting. But um, I know that it would have been really helpful if a lot more people were more aware. And I just think that one of the underpinnings of, of my motivation was I, I think um, the chronic illness is very devastating. And it's part of devastating. It's really devastating because it's not what you anticipate. No one ever plans this. No one ever expects this. And I just, what I've noticed about healing from chronic illness is it never really goes as you plan, as you think it should like, okay, Oh, the doctor said I could finish this medicine. So then what's the medicine? I'll be all good. Right. And nine times out of 10, you don't just because you finished the medicine or just because it's been seven weeks from your surgery or just because, you know, whatever time frame you've been given, that's, you know, there's all these lingering repercussions from illness that that is never really talked about in a in a meaningful way. And I just I think, at least for children, you know, and I think it's hard for parents to talk about it. And so picture books are so brilliant in that you can have those kind of tougher of conversations because you can talk about this character and what it looks like to get better and that it's really hard to get better. I mean, it's work, and especially for children who are really young dealing with illness, like you as a child, like special you see like kids who are way young, who are dealing with, you know, basically their life, you know, in their hands sometimes. And they have to do all the hard work. They're the ones getting the shots. They're the ones getting the treatments. And, and that's, I think, what's so hard for parents too. There's really not a whole lot that the parent can do to take away that pain. And so empowering a child to be able to deal with these heavy, heavy situations is, in my opinion, um, very empowering, you know, because you don't want your child who's chronically ill to be to identify with being a victim all the time. And I think it's it's a very um, understandable thing that can happen, but it's not good, you know. You don't want the child to be victimized, and so you have to find ways to to get some wins, you know. And sometimes it's just like, well, let's start with your mindset, because it's the only thing we can control right now, you know. But it's not everything, you know, and there's much more. We need a community to help. And when you're really sick, the last thing you want to do is ask for help. You know, it's like, I don't want to not be sick anymore. But, you know, that connectedness, especially like your podcast, you know, getting people united is really powerful and can help you overcome a lot of things. But uh, when you're really stressed out and really fighting for either your life or your kid's life or whatever's going on, that's like the most time you need it. And it needs to be um, accessible. So we hope that that's what this book is. Oh, absolutely.
0: And it kind of immediately made me feel empathy, not only for Livy but for her family as well. And Erin, exactly what you said is immediately how I felt when I was reading this book. And I have kind of a personal question for you. And you mentioned a little bit about how people can come up and have well-meaning things to say, but it really isn't received the way it was intended. And I was wondering if you have any specific examples of when somebody said something to you and it was helpful and it was supportive. What does that look like?
1: So, oh, that is such a good question. Um, I personally, and this is just me, I know I don't speak for everyone. So, but for me, what was helpful when Like our family had, you know, like nurses living in our house to help care for my brother. Um, I didn't, even as I was in maybe seventh grade, eighth grade when that was going on. So I was older and I just didn't realize like how stressful it was on me. Um, But like in hindsight, I do, because there were certain things that I was doing that was maybe like not super great, but I I was stressed out, you know. But I think the most helpful thing that really stood on my mind was all of my aunts, would make time to like take me places or do things with me and just I, I had quality time because my parents you know they worked and uh, my brother just demanded so much time and it wasn't really so much what they said it's really what they did I couldn't tell you one you know card that got written or sent on a thing of flowers you know but I did remember when someone took us out to eat or when my aunt took us on vacation they, I have a younger brother too and so she took my younger brother and I on a road trip, you know, and a lot of my, it happens to be my aunts just because they lived in the area. Um, but they were just profoundly helpful to my family and that they alleviated a stress by giving my brother and I, we had a fun time. And my parents were like, okay, we don't need to worry about them for these next few days or whatever it was, you know? And so I think what people do is much better than anything could than you could say like, okay, you really care? Like, you know, <laughs> take my dry cleaning to the store or, you know, whatever it is, like when you're in a position where you're sick, you're really never going to ask for that. You know, like, Oh, let me know if you need anything to help. That's like the worst question you can ask. <laughs> like, I don't know. I need you to like do my taxes for me. <laughs> I don't, you know, like it's just so hard to really genuinely answer that question. You know what I need? I need you to like, let me cry on your shoulder for three hours because I'm so stressed out. you know, like no one's going to say that to you. So it's more like show up. You want to help spend the time. And if you don't, then, you know, that's okay. You could send a card, but I, for for me as a person, I don't, I don't think that was very helpful. Maybe my brothers would feel differently, but I, I highly doubt it. And so that was a big part of this because I, I, I was really frustrated, you know, just seeing this little kid sick you know, and we love her dearly. We love her family dearly. And, like, what, what am I going to do? Call and be like, oh, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing horrible. You know, <laughs> like, they're not going to answer that question. So, i really, I, you know, they wanted to raise money for their, their foundation, the Cure JM Foundation. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to do a big sale to, like, raise money for that. I'm just in school. My husband and our school teachers, like, we're not, you know, millionaires or anything like that. So this was sort of like my inspiration um, for what could I really do that could in some way help them achieve their goals and help empower Livy and, you know, kind of hit a lot of those things when I, there's no way I could regularly see them, you know, and, um, and this is what I came up with, you know, so.
0: I love it. Well, um, Betsy, can you just talk to us about what you, some of your favorite parts about Tiger Livy are? And what's your favorite part
2: of the book, if you can pick one? I think I like the ending because we actually spent a lot of time trying to get there. And I when I thought of that last kind of internal twist, it was like, yes, that that's it. Because we were walking around a little bit the idea of her being happy and smiling. But at the same time, it's okay if you're not happy and smiling and especially if you're sick so it's more that it's the smile is a conscious gift from livy to the reader because she feels like doing that not because when you get better you have to smile now
0: yes that's so true Um, Betsy, if you mentioned the other books, um, that you have written and where would people be able to find those books, especially in the child life community, we are always looking for good picture books and parent resources. So, um, where would the listeners be able to find that information?
2: Oh, well, they are definitely available through online booksellers. Um, and if you just want to see everything I've done, if you search for Betsy Miller books, then you can probably find my website. But just to kind of run through them, there's Hip Hop Array from excuse me, Hip Hop Array for Brooklyn, which is a picture book. And that one is for a to help children who have to wear a brace at night. Um, and it's a fun book. It has jump rope rhymes in it because she's a little bunny and she loves to hop. And it's all about being in motion and setting goals. And the brace is a little bit incidental, but it's there because she wears a brace so that she's able to move in the daytime. Um, So it kind of has that idea of working towards a goal, that things don't happen instantly, but you can still have a lot of fun, and it's more child-focused than brace-focused. So there's that one. And then the other three are all orthopedic topics. Uh, The Parent's Guide to Hip Dysplasia, the Parent's Guide to Clubfoot, and the Parent's Guide to Perthes. Uh, Perthes is a rare childhood disease that affects the hip. So um those are my books and they're out there for whoever wants to find them and uh I hope that some of the listeners will be happy to discover them. Great. Thank you so much and um Erin, if you
0: would just, I guess, talk to us about how we can support and find um, the Tiger Livy book uh, specifically, and then a little bit about the foundation that you are giving some of the proceeds to.
1: So you can find the book. Any reader could find it on Amazon, or if you have, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble can order it for you and have it in your store. Almost any bookseller, I'm sure, could, could do that. But Amazon is a really easy one. Um, And if you're in Fresno, go to Petunia's Place or Vivally Vintage and support a local business. (laughs) Um, But the proceeds from this book um, are going to the Cure JM Foundation, which is JM stands for Juvenile Dermatomyositis, which is what Livy has. And they're currently trying to find research for a cure for this um, rare disease. They don't have one right now, and it's just um, kids are just um, dealing with treatments. But right now in the JM community, um, the IVIG that they're, um, the, the victims of this disease have, uh, there's a shortage of it. And so the treatment that a, a lot of these kids uh, are dependent on would be included is staggered a bit more than the doctors would like because there's not enough of it. And um, anyways, it's just, you know, it's, it's really hard and it's really expensive and there's a lot of... I'm sure your listeners know a lot about insurance and that's not always easy. And so we want to try to find a cure for this. It's important to my, to Livy's parents and, um, their family because it really offered them some help when they felt like, man, there just wasn't anything. And so I thought that this would be a great help for them and what their, their um, desire is because there's no FDA approved drug right now to treat this. So, um, that's also part of the equation. And so, um, the Cure JM Foundation uh, is going to receive the proceeds uh, from our sales, and um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great organization that helps a lot of parents and uh,
0: kids. Well, I am just so thankful to Aaron and Betsy not only for taking the time to do this interview for you guys, but also just for taking the time to do this book and then giving the proceeds to Cure JM. It's pretty incredible. Um, Some exciting news is that the book is currently being translated into Spanish, which is wonderful. And there's also an ebook available that you can download on Amazon. So I know Child Life Specialists, parents, it's hard to find copies, but you can actually download the book, which is really great. So I highly recommend it. I really enjoy the book. I enjoy both of the authors and the meaning behind it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. As always, please follow along with me on Child Life On Call on Instagram and Facebook and comment and send me an email at info at childlifepodcast.com. And I will look forward to seeing you with the next episode. Have a great week.